I wonder how many times you've moved in your life. Some of us here today may have lived in the same place our entire life. Others may move from place to place each night looking for a place to sleep. And for many of us, it's somewhere in the middle. I remember the first time my parents told me we were going to move. And I said, what do you mean? I move all the time. <laughs> and then I learned that that meant going to live somewhere different. And that happened about 12 or 14 times over the course of my life so far. We moved around every three years or so when I was a child. So I've had a good bit of practice with the winnowing process of deciding what to bring along and what not to. You might think that all that practice would make it easy. Not so much. I once had a Halloween costume with a pirate hat and plastic sword. I wore that costume exactly once, and yet it made it through at least three moves. <laughs> Some of us may be more pack rat than others, but I think all of us have a need or at least a desire to hold on to things that make us feel secure. I might need that someday. Better hang on to it. And so the gospel reading for today is challenging. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Those of us here in our congregation today who are homeless have a better insight into this passage than anyone else, I think. For Jesus, this passage is pretty often literally true. He often does not have a place to lay his head as he and his friends go from village to village, traveling, preaching the good news, and looking for people to put them up for the night. Sometimes that fails, as it does with this village of Samaritans. Jews and Samaritans don't get along well, and Jesus is on his way to the Jewish capital of Jerusalem, and so they refuse to take him in. Of course, when he gets to Jerusalem, what waits for him is worse, trial, humiliation and death on a cross. Perhaps you've seen the movie Romero. It came out in the late 1980s, 1989. And it's based on the life of Oscar Romero, who was Archbishop of El Salvador in the 1970s. And at the opening of the film, at the opening of his ministry, Bishop Romero has a nice, cushy place to lay his head. He has been appointed to a prestigious position, and he's surrounded by well-spoken members of the government who offer him congratulations and ask for private baptism dates for their babies. But over the course of his ministry, he begins to realize what the gospel demands of him. He is a conservative man of deep spirituality and prayer. And that prayer life leads him to realize that he must speak out against what his government is doing to repress poor people. And so he negotiates with rebels. He goes to celebrate mass in occupied cities. And on the 24th of March, 1980, Bishop Romero was assassinated. For this archbishop, learning to follow Jesus meant giving up a soft place to lay his head, giving up prestige, comfort, and in the end, his life. Sometimes the things that hold us back 
from following Jesus are more subtle. We heard Paul today call on the Galatians and call on us to be guided by the Spirit. Part of being guided by the Spirit means that we're not led by a system of rules and regulations. There are no neat checklists for following Jesus. As Paul writes, the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, often we might prefer having clear laundry lists of exactly what behaviors are acceptable and unacceptable. But in Christ, those are swept away in favor of the rule of love, love God and love neighbor. We often get uncomfortable with that way of living. And instead of living in the tension of listening for the Spirit's guidance and being open to the new places that Jesus might be leading us, it's easier to retreat into the mental systems that we have constructed to explain reality. You might say that having things figured out is a soft place to lay our head. You might say we lay our heads down on our own certainty. It's ironic that even as Paul writes about living in freedom and not submitting to a slavery of the law, Christians throughout the centuries have often used this exact passage in the opposite way, as a checklist of who is going to heaven and who's not, based on the behaviors that Paul names. Fornication, check. Drunkenness, check. Idolatry, carousing. That's a good one. Many Episcopalians I know might be in trouble over carousing. <laughs> there was a little holy carousing yesterday at Bishop Megan's ordination. But Paul's point is not to make a checklist about what behavior gets you saved and what behavior doesn't. God's grace doesn't come from our good behavior. Grace is a free gift of love that leads us to love God and each other in return. Good behavior is a good thing. Holy and transformed lives are the fruit of God's grace, not a precondition for it. James and John were thinking in terms of preconditions, in terms of checklists of who is in and who is out. And so when they got rejected by the Samaritans, they knew who was out. And they wanted to torch the village with fire from above. Jesus quickly sets James and John straight. And he does the same to us in those moments when we might like to torch our enemies if not literally, then at least metaphorically. How different it would be if we heard Paul's words, through love become servants to one another. In our life as the church, the spirit is constantly shaking us up, if we're able to hear it. And through the promptings of the Spirit, over and over, the church has realized that things that faithful people had taken for granted for centuries turned out to be incompatible with the good news of Christ. Two centuries ago, people could scarcely envision a world without slavery. Two generations ago, in a large part of this country, people could barely imagine a time when people of different colors might drink from the same faucet. When the Spirit changes our viewpoint of the world, 
new and exciting things happening. But those things can also be threatening. It threatens our sense of comfort. And that's part of what it can mean that following Jesus means not having a place to lay down our heads. Yesterday, in an amazing ceremony, we ordained our dear sister Megan Traquere as our new bishop. And it was a beautiful day, and also a day that was completely unexceptional, unexceptional, in that there have been 14 ordinations of new bishops in the past year or year and a half alone around the Episcopal Church. It was unexceptional, and just a few years ago, it would have been completely radical. It was exactly 30 years ago, in 1989, the same year Romero came out, that the Episcopal Church ordained its first female bishop. In 1989, that was radical. It was only 15 years before that, in 1974, that we ordained our first female priests. I think I hardly need to say today that the body of Christ in this corner of the body of Christ, this Episcopal corner, is not only hugely enriched by our female clergy, I don't think that we would exist without our female clergy. As a child of the Episcopal Church in the early 1980s, I grew up in a world where there had never not been female clergy, thanks be to God. But more recently, I have heard the horror stories of those who paved the way in that first generation, and oftentimes the abuse that they endured. We're still learning what it means to welcome the gifts of everyone in the church. People whose sexuality or gender identity is different from the mainstream, people with disabilities, people whose gifts may not fit the standard profile of what we have generally thought were the gifts for the church. The spirit is always opening us up in new ways. And sometimes those changes are hard. And we have to be gracious to one another because it's not always easy to tell whether a change to the status quo is the Holy Spirit or just a change, sometimes not a good change. In the meantime, our job is to keep plugging along, following after Jesus, and following that great commandment to love each other. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In our journey with Jesus, we can be held back by things we think we need, whether they're material things, or social status, or long-held convictions. As we keep learning to walk the way of Jesus, may he guide us out of all the things we think make us secure and into the only real security there is, which is the challenging joy of walking with God. <laughs>